I think my son's getting a little country. <laughs> Next thing you know, Clary, he's going to start yawling, folks. It is a little different than I remember it, but still good. The, the message of that song that has stuck in my mind for years is that while it's great to be on the mountaintop, it's wonderful to be in worship services and, and go to conferences and you know, great Christian concerts and everything, but at the same time, the work is still done in the valleys. I mean, I hope you're going to enjoy, I hope you enjoy worship today, not just because of a special day, but because you love getting together with God's people and singing about God and worshiping God. But, you know, when you walk out of the front door of this place, you're back in the valleys. Well, 45 years, 25 of them as a pastor. That's a long time. But what makes me feel really old today is when I stopped and I considered that this is actually my sixth decade. My sixth decade. I started working in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. Now we're in the 2010s. Six decades. Now, I have wrestled long and hard with what I wanted to say today, and I, I've never been quite sure. I've gone and started multiple messages, but it's kind of interesting that in every message that I wanted to deliver, one Bible passage kept coming back and dancing through my mind. You heard it once already this morning. It was the shortest of the two. Now, I will tell you that Psalm 1 contains my confirmation verse. More about that later. Proverbs 3 has my life verse, more about that later. But here from 1 Samuel, an interesting little story, it says Samuel, the prophet, took a stone, set it up between Mizpah and Shen, I think that's over near Hope, Arkansas somewhere, <laughs> probably not, but between Mizpah and Shen, and he gave the stone a name. He called it Ebenezer. Now, in, in our life today, when we hear the word Ebenezer, we don't think of much positive. We probably think of Ebenezer Scrooge in the Christmas Carol. But here, Ebenezer is really a good name. In fact, I've been around in Lutheranism long enough to remember when the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod actually took an Ebenezer thank offering. Now, they took it under the old King James Version, where it says, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. But I like what it says here, too. Till now, the Lord has helped us. And you know, when I reflect on these 45 years, and believe me, I have, it's abundantly clear that this is true, that hitherto the Lord has helped me, I know personally. And as my son sang earlier, great is his faithfulness. And that is something that I have been constantly aware of the entire time I've been in ministry. Now, as some of you know, I, I've been working on my own memoir for probably almost 30 years. I'm not going to share any of the stories today that I shared last night around the dinner table. Those are, we'll wait until the statute of limitation runs out on some of them. <laughs> but my book will be called Just a Dumb Kid from Nebraska. Now that may seem like an odd title, but I, I want you to know that is really how I consider, what I consider myself to be. I'm just a, a dumb kid from Nebraska. It's kind of like, what on earth am I doing here? 
In fact, I can tell you that over and over again for these last 45 years, I have found myself in different situations. And I've thought, what on earth is this dumb kid from Nebraska doing here? I'll give you one example. I was standing on a platform in Port Harcourt, Nigeria, ready to speak to nearly 300,000 Nigerians. What on earth is a dumb kid from Nebraska doing here? Showing up in Vizhakapatnam, believe me, Jameson, what's a dumb kid from Nebraska doing here? But every time I find myself saying that, I also find myself saying, this can only be the Lord's doing. This is the only explanation to why I'm here and doing what I'm doing. It's the Lord's doing. It has nothing to do with me. Now, when I consider the fact that I come from a broken family, my parents divorced at a young age, my father in prison most of my growing up life, being raised by my grandparents, as one little girl told me one time, you didn't turn out so bad. And I have even learned to take some of the advice that I have given people so often over the years, and that is to build a bridge and get over it already. Now, not long ago, I thought about all the places that I have been privileged to serve and all the wonderful things and all the wonderful people I've met all along the way. And at each juncture, I can say, till now the Lord has helped me, great is thy faithfulness. And suffice to say that every stop on the journey has been a valuable part of this dumb kid from Nebraska's life. St. John's Lutheran Church and School in Peru, Indiana, where my daughter Terry was born. Circus City, USA, which might explain her to some degree. <laughs> the Lutheran School Association in Decatur, Illinois. Hong Kong International School in Repulse Bay, Hong Kong. Valley Lutheran High School in St. Charles, Illinois. Redeemer Lutheran Church in Richland, Washington. Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Belvedere, Illinois. Lord of Life Lutheran Church, La Fox, Illinois. And now finally, at First Lutheran Church in Texarkana, Texas. Now in addition to these places that the Lord has allowed me to serve, there are so many people who have played such an important role in my life that to say thank you to all of them would be virtually impossible. I know that any list of names I would come up with today, I'd forget somebody, but I would blame that simply on getting older. But I want to mention today some really very important people. And I am so blessed to have them all with me today. They are collectively known as all the known colds. All the known colds, because as far as we know, there are but six of us. There's Nancy, my wife, my son Eric and his wife Cheryl, my daughter Terry, and my most favorite of all grandson, Joshua. I knew this part would be hard, but just suffice to know that life would be pretty empty without you guys. It would not be nearly as blessed 
and it would not be nearly as meaningful. Now, build a bridge and get over that. Okay, I'm back. In my time remaining this today, I, I want to share what, I know it's kind of a silly title, I would call it the killer bees. I don't know why I call it the killer bees. It's just that they all start with the word bee. So I want to share with you eight life principles that I have attempted to live by, and which I would suggest would not be too bad for anyone to do. And Jordan, because nobody bothered to ask me to speak at your high school graduation. And Joshua, since I will probably not be invited to be the graduation speaker at the University of North Texas in August, I want the two of you also to consider this to be my graduation message for you as well. Now, I will tell you that there are probably more than eight Bs. You could probably come up with some more Bs, too. And I'm going to tell you that they are in no particular order. So don't hassle me after church and say, this one should have been third and this one should have been first. You know, build a bridge and get over it. Here we go. Be content. That's the first B. Be content. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I think that's important for us to remember, to be content. Elsewhere, the Bible says having food and raiment, you know, food and something to wear. Be content. Now, my own family would attest to the fact that how much money I make has never really been much of a consideration to me. In fact, I couldn't even tell you how much money I do make. I am content to take the check home where at least twice a month my wife calls me handsome. <laughs> she says, handsome over. <laughs> I've often said to people that I would do what I do for free. And my wife sometimes says, yeah, he probably would. I think all of us ought to feel such a way, a contentment with God that it's not about the money. I mean, that's what this says here. You know, keep your life free from that. It doesn't say you shouldn't earn any. It doesn't say you shouldn't make any. It doesn't say you can't save any. It just says don't get all caught up with having it. Instead, it said, I'll never leave you. You know, money comes and goes. My grandma used to say, you know, money in your pocket, like burned a hole in your pocket. It was there, gone. You can't take it with you. But there's something that's with you all the time, and you can take it with you. In fact, he goes on ahead of you. Never will I leave you or forsake you. Be content. Here's the second B. Be happy. Be happy. Not long of you, not long ago, some of you here from uh, First Lutheran remember, I did a series of messages which was called Be Happy, dot, 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 for the rest of your life. It was based on the book of Philippians. And we talked about what it was like to live a life of joy. Be joyful. You know, rejoice. And again, I'll say it. Rejoice in the Lord. Be happy. And those of you that are familiar with the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, by the way, we did a series of messages on that as well, you know that it says, blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those. But we also know that that can be translated as happy 
are those. Dwayne and Aggie and Wendy Butler are with us today, along with Alan Wren and John, too. Friends of mine from Toastmasters. You may remember a speech, I think it was Samantha gave, an employee of yours not long ago, and she talked about being happy. And she said it really had nothing to do with being successful. I think someone asked her, are you successful? And she said, I'm happy. You see, successful in the world's way of looking at it is not always the way to look at it. I actually was at a group of pastors one time where someone asked me, a bunch of pastors said, do you have a successful ministry? And I said, I think so. He said, how much money do you make? And I said, what? He said, how much money do you make? I said, I don't know. He said, oh, come on, you got to know. I said, I really don't know. He said, take a guess. I said, I don't know, $45,000? He calls, he says, you call that successful? Now, all I know is I'm as happy as a clam at high tide. Why? Because I'm happy in the Lord. I'm content. I'd pray you'd be, feel the same way too. Be happy for the rest of your life in and with the Lord. Here's my third B. Be with the right people. Be with the right people. Long time ago when I had a flat top, butch wax, I wore a white robe a bow tie, I was the only kid dumb enough to succumb to that one in confirmation. But with 45 other young people, I was confirmed at St. John's Lutheran Church in Seward, Nebraska. And as I came forward and I knelt in front of the altar, Pastor Leonard Heideman, who, by the way, baptized Eric, put his hand on my flat top. And he said, your confirmation verse is this, Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man, and now listen to this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I hope you notice the progression there. It says you don't walk with them, you don't stand with them, you don't sit with them. Anybody ever get in trouble because of that? You were walking with the wrong people, huh, Jason? And then you were walking with them long enough, you decided to stand there and have a more heavy-duty conversation. You finally said, let's sit down and be serious about this. And the next thing you know, you were in deep weeds. When Pastor Heidemann said that, I thought he's talking about my friends. Now, I had some really pretty good friends back then, but i got to be honest with you, my delight was not in the law of the Lord. It was not something that I was meditating on day and night. Now, you've heard me say before, you cannot soar with the eagles if you hang around with turkeys. And the problem with a lot of people in life, young graduates, is you hang around with so many turkeys that you can't soar like an eagle. Now, I have been privileged and honored with soaring with some of life's great eagles. Dr. Kent Hunter, been a wonderful friend of mine for years. Warden Burl Kane, Louisiana State Prison in Angola. And Jameson, you know this guy, P.J. Titus, your father. A real eagle. Harry Went, who writes the Crossways material. Bishop 
Eugene Tannehill, a man who was in prison for over 40 years before he was released. An eagle, somebody you want to soar with. But at this, these are all great men of God. At the same time, though, I can tell you that I soared with eagles in the classrooms that I taught for 20-some years. I have soared with many eagles who just found themselves in the pews on a Sunday morning the churches that God allowed me to pastor. And I've hung around with a lot of eagles just in the friends that God has brought into my life over the years, even though their names may not be nearly as famous as Peg and Diane, for example. Here's another B. Be honest and straightforward. Be honest and straightforward. James 5.12 says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other earth, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under any condemnation. Now, I know Tommy will concur with me here. I can be pretty blunt. I can be pretty direct. I sometimes set my tongue into motion before my brain is in gear. I know that about myself. And there are times I have to go back and apologize for it. But you know when you speak the truth, when you say what's on your mind, when your yes is yes, your no is no, is a whole lot better than being a wishy-washy Christian who the Bible says is blown back and forth by every wind of change that comes down the road. Now, how can you be so positive? It's pretty easy. What did I say? Be content, be happy, be with the right people, be honest, straightforward. Follow the Lord. Meditate on his law day and night. Just speak the truth, but learn, as Jesus said, to speak the truth in love. Your, your job is not to beat other people over the head with the truth, but to speak the truth with the love of Jesus behind it. Here's another one. Be. Be in the word. Be in the word. Second Timothy 3. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. And by the way, when he's talking to Timothy, he said what your grandma and your mom taught you. I think that's important because he didn't say what your pastor taught you in confirmation, as important as that may be, Dylan. But it's what your mom and your grandma, what your family taught you, because where does that start? Where should that start? It starts in your family. It says, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing that from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. One of the great blessings of my life was to go from kindergarten through eighth grade at St. John's Lutheran School in Seward, Nebraska, and then to walk across the street and go to Concordia Lutheran High School on the campus of Concordia then Teachers College in Seward, Nebraska. From a youth, I have been made acquainted with the scriptures. I thank God that my grandparents saw fit that I have a Christian education. But do you understand what the Bible really is all about? I mean, 
the inspired and inerrant and infallible word of God. And sometimes we run around and chase so many different things instead of the word. We get all hung up with externals. And we forget about this. My great friend, and I'd say I call him my personal biblical mentor, is Harry Went. Harry's 80-some years old now, lives up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's taught me a couple of things about Bible study. Pretty simple. You can remember them. One thing he's told me, and I've said over and over, is this. Work the Word, and the Word will work you. Work the Word, and the Word will work you. I mean, get in there, read it, struggle with it, wrestle with it. Find out what other Scripture says about it. But the more you work that word, the more it works on you. I want to compliment Wayne Cranfield. Wayne asked to speak this 23rd Psalm at his father's committal. Wayne is the person who is responsible for our last series of messages, really, on the 23rd Psalm, because I think he heard me in probably a blunt fashion. (laughs) or straightforward fashion, say, we really need to memorize Scripture more. Maybe Wayne felt a little convicted, I don't know. But he set about memorizing Scripture, and the very first thing he memorized was the 23rd Psalm, which he stood and recited at his father's funeral. It's great, powerful words. Those words live in you. You know, they work in you when you deal with them. When I started that six-week series on the 23rd Psalm, somebody actually asked me, can you actually preach six weeks on the 23rd Psalm? I said, if I shorten it up. (laughs) It's there. The other thing that Harry always says if you're with him, and you get to a Bible passage you don't understand, and if you raise your hand and say, Harry, what do you think this means? Harry will say, who cares what I think? What does the text say? What does the text say? It's an important thing. Here's another B. Be in prayer. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Now, as a young boy growing up at St. John's, I had a teacher one time who had us do memory work, and one of the Bible passages we had to memorize was pray without ceasing. And I heard that passage, and I thought, impossible. How do you do that? Guy's got to play ball sometime. But then I had a very wise teacher, Miss Bartles, actually, in third and fourth grade. And I didn't repeat the same grade with her. She had two classes and one, just in case you want. But she talked about pray without ceasing. And I, tell you, I still remember this to this day. She said, I, I know some of you don't know what that really means, and you're worried about what it means to pray without ceasing. She said, but for me, it's just maintaining a sense of God's presence all the time is just living a life of prayer. I mean, I cannot tell you and encourage you enough to say, be in prayer. Here's the next one. Be available. Isaiah 6, 8. I always love this story. You know, in the year King Uzziah died, you got all the angels and all that kind of good stuff. And, and, and Isaiah is so worked up by the worship service that he puts his hand in the air and says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go? And I said, Here I am! Send me! Send me! 
You know what's really funny about that story? You've got to read the rest of Scripture. Because the next question, he says, uh, <clears throat> where am I going to go? <laughs> and God says, to a bunch of people who really don't want to listen to the word of God, his next question was, and how long do I need to stay there? <laughs> and he said, don't worry about it. Just go. A number of years ago, I began praying this prayer. Before you ask, before you ask God, the answer is yes. That's a dangerous prayer. But i got to tell you, wisdom and discernment need to go along with that prayer because I don't think that every opportunity that God brings down your path is necessarily meant for you to take. It sometimes causes you to consider them, to pray over them, to draw closer to him. Here's my last B. Be prepared. I was a Boy Scout. You know, be prepared. God is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, such a great, clean, and reverent. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about two Bible passages, because there's really two parts of this. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Here it comes. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for you a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I hope you walk around as a joyful, hopeful Christian to the point that other people would actually ask you, What's up with you? I'd like to tell this story about my daughter this morning, but she can share it later. But I, I remember, her, I'm just going to very quickly, Terry, you told us a story once about some woman where you used to work, kind of wondered what's up with you. <laughs> and you told her, and I think of the result, there were some people that got baptized in that family. You talked to her about that. You know, if you walk around always looking like you've been baptized in vinegar, people aren't going to ask you much of anything. But if you got some hope, a smile on your face, you're happy, you're content in the Lord, people will ask. But here's, here's the next passage, because it's also slightly different, be prepared. You often hear this at a funeral service. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go now to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, friends, that's really the story of the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ came into this world to suffer and die for us and then left, really kind of transformed his presence, left the spirit behind to go and prepare a place for us in heaven. The question is, are you prepared should the time come? That's why I say be prepared. That's why shining the light of Jesus, that's why proclaiming the gospel is so very important, not just for a pastor, but for everybody. To share that message of Jesus, I don't care whether you're in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or the ends of the earth. It is a message that I have committed myself to sharing my whole life. Many of you know my little motto. It says, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion. And, there's, and you see the vision, it's past, present, and future. I mean, my past is forgiven. My, my, you know, my present is solid in Jesus. My future is assured. What does it say? Live the mission. There's only one. 
Now, you can read it in a bunch of different ways. You can read it in Matthew, go ye therefore. You can read it in Acts chapter 1. You can read it in John. You can read it all over the place. But there's only one mission, go and disciple people. And then it says, feel the passion. You know, one of the funniest comments I ever get, and I've heard this in every church I've ever been in, about after a sermon. Most people go, nice sermon, Pastor. But one of the most interesting things I have ever heard, and believe me, I've heard it everywhere I've ever preached, is you preach like you actually believe this. Duh. <laughs> I, I can't, there's not an appropriate pastoral response to that. Of course I do. Well, that's the passion. It says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses. Got a little Holy Spirit fire? You will. I may end up by just reading a little paragraph that somebody wrote me this morning. It was on my Facebook page of all places. And uh, Nancy, you'll probably know who wrote this. But it says, Thanking God today for a life and ministry that continues to have eternal kingdom impact. Congratulations on reaching this milestone. Jim and I, that's Jim and Carol Cartmill, have many fond memories of our time at Lord of Life, but are most grateful for the way God used you to deepen our understanding of the word. Now get back to work. Your best days are still ahead. Well, what do we say about that? We got some music, I think. And um, part of my family has another special song to sing.